Well, I'm very delighted to be joined by Paul Anagone, former player and now very highly regarded coach. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time yeah. and juggling your schedule oh, around mine. Very generous. Well, here. you're a lot more busy than I am, but, <laughs> I but I appreciate that. it. <laughs> Obviously, we have to talk about your career first. Hi, number 12 in singles, won the Australian Open and doubles. What do you feel? I, want, I just want to start with what you feel like you learned from your time as a professional athlete and now transitioning to coaching? Well, first of all, I never thought I'd do this, but I got to give my parents credit because they always (laughs) used to say, you were younger, if you knew what you knew, once you became older, you'd be much better off. And I got to admit they were right. So I think my evolution through the game um, has been wonderful. I think when you're young in 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 the heat of everything, you do the best you can with your instincts. You kind of use everything you have to maximize your talent and I did that and I think there's no really substitute for experience though so as I've gotten into different facets of the game and different parts of the business it's amazing how much more I've learned and I look back at some of the things that I did um, and, and I don't regret them uh, because you make the best decisions that you can at the moment but boy, if I had the wealth of information that I've been fortunate enough to pick up from so many people in the last number of years back then, I think I would have been much smarter, much more evolved. Yeah, I wanted to ask you that because I feel like, I mean, not only the the players that you've worked with, Sampras, Henman, and Federer, but I'm sure you've had a lot of influence, not only from your parents, but from so many other great minds. What stands out to you, would you say? I mean, that's all, that's kind of a loaded question, but no, are I mean, there certain things that stand out? Yeah, I think everybody's got different things that they add. I was really lucky as a young kid going to Nick Balateri's Tennis Academy when I was 14, 13 or 14 and spent four years, and Nick's been a mentor to me my whole life. So I've had him to help motivate, help strategize, and help structure. Um, the late, great Mike DePalmer Sr. Uh, was my college coach and also my professional coach who helped me from the age of 14. He was a wealth of information. Um, so many great things in terms of applications to life and to tennis and just the way to go about things to try to maximize your talent. And um, he did it in a way that was very paternal, but it was also a way that really helped me understand a lot. And I learned a ton from Coach D and miss him every day. Yeah. And um, finally, my brother, Steve. Um, my brother, Steve, um, has been with me forever uh, as a kid. Um, he's five, five years old or almost six, so he's really old. And uh, he, he coached me through my pro career and also helped me when I was in college. And no one knew me or knows me better than Steve. And, and Steve was the quiet voice that just about got everything right all the time. And whenever I really needed how, someone how to so, leave, would you because say? he knew me better than even Coach D and, and Nick Boliteri did. And Steve worked with um, Coach D really well and very closely. Coach D didn't travel very much because he was running the University of Tennessee tennis team. My brother was there on the road, so he really knew the ins and outs of the tour incredibly well. Um, He knew me incredibly well, and Steve was really good at pushing the right buttons at the right time because he had all the experiential uh, history of being there with me. Um, So with those three kind of leading the way to my evolution as a tennis player and a person, um, along with my parents, that's uh, what you got sitting in front of you right now. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's amazing. It seems like you had such a great support group. I've been lucky, very lucky. Yeah, it seems that way. That's awesome. And I think just talking about, like, today's um, tour as well, because there are a lot of people around the players, and it feels like the teams are growing and growing. You had a few around you as well. 
How do you, I guess, manage those different voices coming in? I mean, it seems like you had a great kind of trio around you with your parents, but like the voices around the players now, I think, you how know, would you manage that? Yeah, I think it's challenging times. I'm sure you do as well when you look at what all the players have to deal with. You know, one of the biggest things that people don't realize from the outside is tennis you're you know as in a lot of the other sports um you're never taught what it's going to be like when you're famous or quasi famous or on the road and in tennis you're by yourself so you're trying to figure it out and look at some of these youngsters i mean they're teenagers having to deal with superstardom which is awesome but it's also awesomely complicated mm. and people don't realize that and I think it's exponentially more complicated now because of social media and all the voices and everyone's opinions and the kids are on their phones 24-7 so they hear and see everything I think now is a very dangerous mm. and challenging time and so I think it's even more important to have a really good core group around you because I think you're kind of your your moral fiber and your ethical fiber is what's going to help you deal with the adversity of becoming a better person and kind of in a microcosm a better tennis player which I think is a small part of it but that's what's going to drive their lives when they're young so that core group around you is really really important and how do you find that balance when it's ultra competitive and everyone's trying to do everything they can to max it out and it's an individual sport and there's immense pressure. So how do you have those good core values, become a great person and a great tennis player? Not an easy thing to do in today's game. Well, you ha I mean, you have a pretty big insight into that because you're working with a youngster right now, Taylor Fritz, and helping him out along with David Nankin. Um, he's going through that, obviously, with the experience of coming up on the tour with social media and stuff like that because that's been a huge topic. How... For example, he's been managing it very well. What, what specific things has he done, do you feel like? Well, I think Taylor, look, Taylor's a, a young man, and he's going to think he's very strong-willed, has a lot of strong opinions, um, which is very good and can also be very challenging. Um, you know, a lot of those strong-willed aspects are reasons why he's a very, very good pro and maybe a great pro one day, but also they can be challenging if you don't point them in the right direction. Um, in terms of the social media stuff and the balance, I think he understands the environment pretty well. And sure, he disagrees with things and maybe says something that he shouldn't once in a while or he sees something that annoys him. But he's pretty good at taking it with a grain of salt. And, and I think um, Nanks in particular, David Nankin is awesome. Mm -hmm. He's been with Taylor a year or two longer than I have. And, and Wolf uh, Oswald, who's his physio, and Gina Ball is a strength conditioning. He's got, in those three, he has an unbelievable core crew, core crew to really help him manage everything. Now, the challenge for Taylor is going to be to open his ears and absorb it. And, and sometimes that's not his biggest strength because he's got a lot of strong opinions. But as long as he's able to have the two-way communication, he'll max out his, his uh, talent. And hopefully he'll miss a lot of those speed bumps that we all see out there with social media and growth and having that ba balance between being a really uh, good person, happy, healthy person, and a really good, happy, healthy tennis player. Yeah, I know. I know. Also, you've strongly. I mean, you came out with a book a few years ago. I know you strongly have said that it's so important to get those life lessons off court and on court, and that's sort of like what we're talking about. These topics. Do you, as a coach, kind of dive into their off life too, off court life as, too, to as, help them? Sure, as much as they want. I mean, Pete. I was with Pete since he was twenty-three. We knew each other since we were sixteen. Pete Sampras and I. So. 
it was we knew a lot about mm. each other so it was very kind of unfiltered and we both felt very safe with each other's opinions and conversations so that was easy Tim Henman same Tim and I knew each other forever so that was easy Roger I started working with when he was older but he's so transparent and candid mm. um, and we knew each other through my time with Pete and Tim so I wasn't a total stranger so it was very it, the conversations were easy. Roger's in a very complex world because of who he is on the planet. <laughs> and that's a little bit different, but he handles it with grace and humility and it still impresses me. And with Taylor, he's young. I've got, you know, he's, I've got a son that's basically the same age as him and I've got two kids that are older. So I know what he's trying to do, but I also know the microscope he lives under while he's trying to do it. So I'm always there for him. I don't want to be a Budinsky, but I want to be a resource. <laughs> you know, I want to be a resource yeah. for him. And so when he wants to chat, we do. But I don't impose my will on stuff that he doesn't need me to. Yeah. I, I mean, you brought up a great point with um, Federer in particular, with the complex world that you were thrown into with him. And the other ones, you started younger, so you kind of grew on that. But I think, you know, going back to this complex world now, what do you feel like you learned from working with Federer and being in that complex world that can help these youngsters that are going through all this right now and so much thrown at them? I think, you know, every time I think about Roger, I think about his parents, uh, Robbie and Lynette. Uh, whatever they did, they're the ones that should be writing mm. books. I mean, you know, the, his growth as a human being and who he is has really enabled him to deal with all this stuff. So in order to deal with everything that's out there as a great tennis player, even not ultra great at the top of the pyramid social media you know all the stuff that can happen all the calling out all the names all the you know derogatory stuff and then all the positive stuff that makes you think you're something that you're not to have that balance to me that's all about sense of self mm. who are you right. you know what do you stand for how have you been brought up what's important what isn't sure things can sting but they tend to you know go through uh, one in year in one ear and out the other I think the ability to do that and also handle the wins without feeling like you just cured cancer. You know, there's right. perspective. So right. I think Roger gets that. So to me, it's all about um, having that semblance of a good core. And whether that's your parents or your young coaches, it's a combination of all that stuff. So to me, also the ability to hit the off switch. You know, I would encourage all coaches and parents to make sure kids have their time to hit the social media and phone off switch. Mm. I think that's really important. To get away. Yeah. yeah. And, and just talk, I, if you don't mind, I think you may have answered the question. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I just want to ask a little bit more specifically about players, um, you know, not making it seem like you've just cured cancer, but those players that had that big success and all of a sudden struggle with those expectations. Sure. Um, how do you go about yeah, I mean, dealing at, with those situations? We see it all the time, right? Yeah. We've seen it with Naomi Osaka right. now, right? And we see, we've seen it with other athletes as well. And we see people, you know, Marty Fish's uh, documentary that came out was spectacular mm -hmm. about expectations, right. self-imposed and otherwise, and then the environment you're in. Um, I think it's really, really difficult. No one teaches these young, great players how to manage all this stuff. They're thrown into it. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. And, like and so for me, that core group, right, it's the parents and it's the people that are close to that individual to help them have the balance. Yeah, you lost a tennis match, big deal. There's a million more this year and there's a million more every year. You know, or you just won the U.S. Open. That's great. Let's go have a nice celebration. But then after that, let's go visit your sick grandmother right. and let's look at other things through a different lens. You have to have, I feel like 
for me, part of one of the most important parts of my role is to be a balancer, mm-hmm. is to be an equalizer. When Taylor thinks he's the best person on the planet, it's my job to take some air out of that balloon. And how do you do that? With Taylor, he's pretty good. He can take criticism. So I can, and luckily for me, I've got some pretty good experiential anecdotes that I can relate to him about levels with Roger and Pete. And so you do it in a fun jabbing way, but enough to let him know you're not quite there yet, kiddo. So just keep going. Can you give an example? Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, for instance, you know, if Taylor has a certain habit that that he thinks is uh, integral to him having success because he's done it a bunch already, I would say, well, what do you, what's success? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? And he goes, you know, well, my success. And I was like, for instance, what, what is that? Mm-hmm. You know, and he'll say, well, I, you know, winning Eastbourne, or I'm just giving you an example, right. or doing this. And I was like, well, that that's not success. That's just a week. It's a great week. Mm-hmm. Have a nice time. Success is building blocks. Success is a picture. Success is finishing year-end number one six years in a row, like Pete Sampras. Mm-hmm. Success is winning 20 majors. That's Roger Federer. And the success isn't that result. The definition of that success is the process that they undertake to get that result. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want you to understand, Taylor. Yeah, you had a great week, but... You don't have to go to Starbucks every morning and have a sausage roll before you practice. That's actually doesn't matter whether you're going to win or lose. <laughs> right. You know, just things like that to give a little bit of balance and not in a mean way, just in a perspective way. Yeah. And and for instance, in San Diego, he had a crushing defeat and he was totally down in the dumps. So then it was about, dude, this is one tennis match. So what? Next next week you're going to be in Indian Wells. Yeah, but 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 and Indian Wells he beats Berrettini and he beats Sinner. And after the match, those two matches, I grabbed him by the collar in a loving way and said, remember our conversation 10 days ago? Right. Everything was terrible. Look at what you just did. This is a journey. This is going to be ups and downs. This is going to be how you manage those ups and downs. Let's be really happy and appreciative of what you've done here and let's keep going. I love that. You know, and, and you have to, I just think that being able to equalize things in a nice way, in a mm. loving way, in a, in a health and well-being way. Because I think the peaks and valleys are the demise of of so many young people. Right. And I think that it's important to try to figure out how to manage that. Do you feel like he's embracing that? I think so, yeah. yeah. I've got to, you know, I've got to sometimes remind him, yeah. you know, but but yeah. And, and I don't want I don't want to rid him of the joy of the big wins. Absolutely yeah. exult in that. Yeah. But remember what they are. There's just one good tennis match. Yeah. And I don't I, I actually don't want to rid him of the frustration of a really bad performance either, because you can learn from it. Yeah. And so then we can talk about, okay, what do you think you could have done differently? Mm. What do you think was going through your mind then? How do you you know, if you don't learn, you don't get better. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like I love that you continue to ask him questions, it seems like. And I think one word that you brought up that I think is really important that I've heard a lot from these younger guys, especially that are coming up, is the word process. And I feel a lot of the players are saying that, that they're trying to stick to the process. Do you find that from, you know, when you coached uh, Sampras, Henman, and Federer, and, and now, do you feel like that is a mindset that a lot of these players are taking I think now? they need to. I actually think it's harder. I think, I mean, I've been fortunate. Cause it's harder I'm, how? Well, because there's so many distractions. The right. phones, the 
you know, uh, attention deficit issues mm. because we're overly stimulated all the time. You know, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, this, that, the other thing, uh, gaming, you know, there's nine million things going on. And I think it's really difficult to have an expansive, composed evaluation of your process. I was really lucky. Pete, Henman, and Roger were all amazing at that. Mm. They totally got it. Yeah. And, and of course, that was a time before all of this stimulation that's was around. That's why I mean around. it's a different time. So now yeah. I think it's much more difficult. Yeah. And, and I think it's, that's why I think it's important to have those good habits when you're younger because then that becomes normal. If you get an 18, 19, 20-year-old and then you're trying to break down all that stuff and then rebuild, that's very difficult. Mm. So perspective, balance, and process is important. But ultimately, um, you know as well as I do, Jill, if the players don't believe it, it doesn't really matter what you say. Right. You know, they've got to buy right. in. So hopefully they trust you and buy in to the fact that all you want is their health and well-being and to give them the best chance they can to maximize their potential. How do you get that deep level of trust with each other? A lot of conversation. Just, yeah. You know, I mean, conversations through good times and bad times and Taylor having knee surgery and then Taylor winning Eastbourne right. and then, you know, Taylor having personal issues and then Taylor having professional issues and then the conversation, it's its ingredients. Yeah. They all have to be managed. They don't live um, in a bubble of isolation. Yeah. And I, I spoke to David Nankin the other day, and he mentioned gaming, actually, with Taylor. And I believe he said that he was trying to get him away from it a little bit. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that accurate? Yeah, is that Taylor, that, Taylor can yeah. be OCD with it. You know, <laughs> he can get a little over the top with it. And, and as we all do with habits, right? And, and sometimes, you know, 10 o'clock and turn into 2.30 a.m. And that's not what we want, right. you know, with, I don't mind it at all as a yeah. distraction. It's a great distraction. Yeah. Um, but you just, again, have to put it in, in its right context mm-hmm. and that's not easy. And Taylor's pretty good about it and, and he's pretty good about understanding, but we all, you know, have our, uh, our things to deal with. And if that's the worst of it with Taylor, I'm not too concerned. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as far as you, I mean, you've, you're an exceptional coach, exceptional mentor to a lot of these players. What, where do you get where do you get your most learning? Do you read books? Every you, day. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, every day being out of tournaments, watching things happen to players, listening to other coaches' perspectives, other players' perspectives. I mean, the world is, to me, the world is the best library ever. Yeah. And, and I go out there with um, as a sponge, not as someone with um, that's on a platform. So if I can go out there as a sponge and talk to all these different people from all these different parts of the world that have been through so much and we have a lot in common, you can kind of filter through stuff that really is amazingly important and helpful. And you can also live through some of the challenges and some of the shortcomings that other people have had so that maybe you can avoid and help your players and their families and their peers avoid. So I just think being out there and and listening and learning and and uh, trying to understand perspective and not be so dictatorial and close-minded about yeah. stuff. And, you, and you've also exceptional commentator, we have to say as well. Has that changed your views? Like when you watch tennis, it can be a little bit different. Sometimes. It can be, yeah, and it's hard because uh, you know, for me, you know, my job is to have an opinion, and I don't like to say, "Wow, that was a bad shot," but sometimes I have to, yeah. you know, and and you know. But I, I think, you know, my goal is to hopefully give the viewer enough information that they understand the why 
why it happened, mm. you know, and to give them some strategic things and some some technical things that they can understand why Pass is so good at taking a short forehand and coming forward, you know, things like that. Why but, is he so good at that? Because he's a In great athlete opinion. and okay. he's a great hand-eye coordination and he's always thinking dynamically. What I mean by that, he's thinking about moving not just laterally, he's moving north and south. So he covers all that in split seconds in his mind, which is amazing. He's very gifted that way. But my goal when I'm announcing is to try to be three tiny ingredients to a beautiful big dinner that the viewer's watching. The dinner, I like that analogy. Yeah, the dinner is what's important, yeah. not my three ingredients. Three <laughs> ingredients might help them think about stuff, but what's going on on the court is the show. And, and just with how the game has progressed um, since you began coaching, obviously physically the technology has changed for you in particular as a coach um, obviously working with Taylor now what are you looking to improve to be able to get him to excel even more he's got a great power game look he's one of the best power players already in the, in the world I think and now it's the ability to transition to use that power and finish at the net a little bit more okay. comfortably a little more comfortable at the net uh, more consistent and more offensive with his second serve and to be able to be a little bit more dictating early in rallies. But his tennis to me is pretty simple. It's proactive for strike tennis and just a little bit more um, confidence in that transitional area and he's going to make some more leaps and bounds. And that sponge that the, you said that you are when you listen so much, anything recently that's stuck out to you that has no, been like, look, oh, it's, No, it's been such a weird couple years, you know. I know. I, I, and, and unfortunately, one of the hardest things I've found in life and one of the saddest things is, in particular in the last two years, is misinformation. You know, okay. everybody's got opinions about everything, yeah. even if they're not right. And, and it's easy to have an opinion. It's not easy to be right. And yeah. then there's a very big difference. So... For me, as everyone's passing judgment and making huge declarations and dividing and splitting. Are you saying and, in general or yes, in this? Yes, everything. Just ev- about everything. everything. It, yeah. it, 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 it melts over to sports. It melts over to everything. Right. And so the idea is to be a little bit more open-minded and absorb and know the difference between opinion and fact. Mm. And just because you think something doesn't mean it's right. And for me... I like to try to listen to people that are experts in whatever they do. Developmental tennis, um, science, uh, math, uh, finance. I don't have opinions about that stuff, right? but it's not my forte. So I like to learn from people that actually know it. And I think that there's a little too little of that going on in the world. And it does lead over to tennis and to other sports and youth development and how their foundation is built because there's a lot of misinformation. Mm. And um, that's why, again, the core ethics and moral standards are really important for kids. Parental stuff, early coaches' development in any sport, really important. Yeah, I love that outlook, and I love that that willingness to learn. Paul, I know you're a busy guy. We, I appreciate your time so much. you got to get back up to the booth. Absolutely, so. yeah. Thank, Thank you so much. No, Jill, thanks for your patience and juggling to get me in. Really oh my appreciate God, it. Oh, you're amazing. Thanks. thanks.